1: Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And uh, as always, we're going to talk about what's going on with COVID now that we're into June 2021. And a returning guest we have is Dr. Ann Carroll, uh, an emergency room physician in the Cleveland area. And uh, Dr. Carroll, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. So, how are well, Thank doing you for having with- me. My my pleasure. Uh, how are we doing? We're now into June, and the vaccine has been out and about. And what have you been seeing in the hospitals with regard to COVID?
2: Well, uh, we're still seeing COVID, and unfortunately we're seeing COVID in people who have been vaccinated, um, some of whom say they haven't changed the way they're living pre-vaccine than they are now. I can tell you, uh, I believe it was June 2nd, that now people can go outside without masks and move about, and I don't know how protective the mask is over time with everything we've heard and seen, but I predict in about two weeks from this week, we're going to see a significant surge in COVID. Um, I think it was just inevitable. It's, uh, it's going to be out there, and people are carrying it, and they will spread it. And most people don't have a difficult time with COVID. They, they get over it and they're fine. But uh, I don't think we have any other recourse. I think this is what's going to happen, and I think COVID is always going to be with us in one form or another. I don't know that it's going to be uh, seasonal like influenza, but uh, we are going to see it, I think, for a long time.
1: Well, well, one thing you mentioned that sounds quite concerning is the fact that at the hospital, you're seeing people who have been vaccinated uh, are getting these, what I guess they've been calling breakthrough infections of COVID. Uh, Correct. And if they're, bad, if they're bad enough to come to the hospital, uh, what, what is their immediate prior history after being vaccinated? How, how do they get it and how bad do they get it and why do they go to the hospital?
2: Well, this is what I'm trying to find out when I, I try to take a good history and everybody that comes in who's symptomatic, you know, cough or fever or whatever, many of them have only had one of the vaccines. They haven't had the second dose. And I say, so what did you do that's different? And they say, nothing. I'm not back at work. I'm still at home. I'm not around new people. And yet they come, they come positive with COVID. Um, some of them I've actually had to hospitalize because they were pretty sick. But they, I've followed each and every one of them, and they've done well. They've been all been discharged, and they're back home again. I'm just surprised that we're seeing so much COVID, even with the vaccine. And I've talked to my peers, and they see the same thing. So I think now, in two weeks, I think we're going to see a significant surge in COVID. Maybe that's what has to happen before we get over this. <laughs> I just don't know the answer.
1: To To do that, well... Uh, I noticed that the vaccination rates are going up higher. They're still not at that 70 percent level, but uh, combining are the public health officials are they combining the vaccination and the people who've been vaccinated with the people who've had it already and are positive for the antibodies? do, do they
2: no that's the sort th- of- Yeah they're not checking that. We, you know so we really don't know. I think a lot of people, I'm quite sure, that a lot of people had asymptomatic disease, they have antibodies to COVID, and yet they were still vaccinated. I'm not sure, was that a waste of a vaccine? I mean, it would seem to me that having natural immunity is better than a vaccine. At least it's been shown to be that way with other viruses that uh, we've, we've experienced. So we don't really know. I mean, they don't do antibody testing, uh, but I imagine if you started testing a lot of people who were never sick? They'll have antibodies to COVID, even without the vaccine. For the, for
1: the people who are, are sitting back and waiting to get their vaccination to see how this plays out, uh, how how wise or how foolish is that?
2: Well, it's difficult to tell people to do something when it's a new vaccine. People, and I'll tell you one of the reasons I hear. People are reluctant. They're not vaccine averse. They're just vaccine cautious. There's a difference. And a lot of what I've heard is that there has been so much mismanagement and media hype about this whole COVID thing that they don't even know what to believe anymore. And then they feel that they're being pushed into having vaccine passports and you can't do this, you can't do that unless you have a vaccine. And we've never seen this before in this country, never and that over the last years, people's lives have been completely disrupted, that they're wondering, well, what next? Am I Should I take a vaccine that really is experimental? I mean, we're all betas taking the vaccine. I'm not saying it's dangerous for you, but it is what it is. And people are a little bit reluctant because they feel that they haven't gotten a straight story all along for the last year. That's what I've heard over and over again. I have to tell you, that, however, most people are getting the vaccine. You sit and you talk to them and... You know they still are somewhat reluctant, and I don't force anybody to do anything. It is their bodies, their health. but sometimes you just have to sit down and go through the facts as we know it and i just I always go to the science I don't listen to the media anymore
1: <laughs> uh, don't blame me yeah. yeah
2: well when
1: we when you go through the science what what do you come up with how how compelling of an argument is there for the vaccine versus for the people who are um uh, They're trying to be wise about it and and they're waiting.
2: Well, the thing, we don't know how successful this vaccine is going to be. Um, There are reports that people who've had the vaccine, uh, at last count, I heard there was something like over 4,000 people have died as a result of the vaccine. That's, you know, that would make most people sit up and listen. And when you look at all the other vaccines we've had, and they continue to push this vaccine. And I'm not saying it's wrong. You don't get, uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just giving you the facts and what people are thinking. Because when you look at other vaccines, like when they came out with the swine flu, and I think there was something like 58 people who died from the swine flu and they immediately stopped giving it. And people will quote that. They'll say, well, why this one and not this one? And uh, I said, I don't know. I don't have that answer. They're concerned because it's a different type of vaccine than we've ever had. And then they say, well, look, all these people are vaccinated and all these people are still getting COVID. So why should I, you know, maybe I should take my chances. That's what many people are saying.
1: Well, when they say that and, and they're they're fearful that uh, the, the problems with the vaccine might be more severe than the COVID, uh, with, with the COVID they're taking, even if they get the vaccine and they get a breakthrough case of COVID, is the COVID they get after the vaccination, even the one vaccine or the one shot, uh, is, how how severe are those symptoms?
2: Well, many people are having pretty severe symptoms. I, I just saw a gentleman the other day in the emergency room, and uh, the most amazing thing is he came in and said he just didn't feel well. Didn't have a cough, didn't have a fever, just didn't feel well. So you do the just-doesn't-feel-well workup. Well, of course, one of the things is testing for COVID. He had absolutely no symptoms. He was COVID positive. I got a chest X-ray. This man had severe COVID pneumonitis, severe. And I had to hospitalize him. And here he's walking around like this. And I said, how long have you felt like this? He said, oh, five or six days. He had no symptoms at all. He just didn't feel well. You know, it's not like when people have influenza, they usually have a fever and they have a cough. I mean, you know, there's no secret. This guy just didn't feel well, but he didn't look unwell, but he certainly had uh, a significant finding on his chest X, right? So I think we're seeing more and more of it. I think what we are seeing, which I think is probably good, is we aren't nearly as aggressive at treating COVID. People, We've gotten a lot smarter at how to manage it. Better. Um, for instance, if someone has COVID and and they're hypoxic, their their oxygen level is low. We give them dexamethasone. You'd be amazed at how quickly people turn around with that. Some individuals, some doctors will give dexamethasone, azithromycin, and zinc, and patients within 48 to 72 hours are much much better. They don't even have to be hospitalized. So those are all the good things. We've made a good transition to learning how to approach this disease and how best to treat it.
1: That treatment course has been uh, practiced for some time now, so it's still Correct. somewhat the standard of care.
2: Yeah. So, I, But in the beginning, it was not. And uh, so we saw a lot of uh, people that were being intubated and uh, that was not the appropriate thing to do for this particular type of virus. And uh, the mortality was very high. So I think in some ways we've gotten a good handle on it in terms of how to treat it and be reasonable and to lower the anxiety level of the populace. The so patients, I mean, they are still so very, very anxious, but not as bad. They're not quite as bad as they were before um, because they're seeing that things are getting better
1: well, well, that is good, and uh, everybody seems to be fed up with COVID. And uh, as we're we're getting through this summer, and uh, with the vaccinations going out and with the numbers dropping down, people are feeling a lot different. Hopefully, returning right. back to the days of early 2020, late uh, late 2019, when things were what we would call normal. But uh, in well, you any know, event, we're. Let's take a short break. and let me interrupt for a moment and take a short break. We're talking to Dr. Ann Carroll, an emergency room physician here in the Cleveland area. And we're talking about what's going on with COVID right now with the vaccinations, with the breakthrough infections, and how we're all supposed to respond to it and and what we want to know. So come back with us after this break. We're talking to Dr. Ann Carroll. We're going to be talking about COVID. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, to Cleveland. i Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate here with Dr. Ann Carroll. And we're talking about COVID 19 now that we're into June 2021 as to what is all happening. Dr. Carroll, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: You know, as we're talking about uh, COVID, there's the variant, uh, the UK variant, they're calling it B117, B117. Are you seeing a lot of that in this area? Is that spreading around?
2: Well, it was. I was told that it was the the uh, number one mutant now in in the state of Ohio. Um, I haven't heard anything about the Brazilian strain or the South African strain being here, but I have heard that the UK strain is in Ohio.
1: Other than it uh, being more infectious, uh, what about the severity of the symptoms or the age groups that it attacks more? Uh, more seriously, is that change? Well, or is it about the same as we had with the COVID 19 strain. Well, one? from
2: yeah, from what we do, I mean, when we screen, when we test for COVID, we swap and we send it. We, we get the test and it's sent to the public health. We never, our department, never gets the feedback as to what particular type of strain, what strain it is. So I, I could tell you, I don't know. Um, I don't. I haven't seen people coming in with COVID more ill than before. But I am seeing a lot more COVID. Uh, and I think in light of people who have taken the vaccine, who have had the vaccine, and I don't know whether they've changed their lifestyle. They're, you know, they're becoming less careful uh, because there are people out there who are asymptomatic, I can tell you, and maybe that's how it's spreading. But I don't, I don't think they're more sick. Actually, I think they're less sick than what I saw before. Um, and they're all doing good
1: does so it, well. Does it affect the older people, people over 60 still? Is that still a problem?
2: Um, I see all age groups. I, I, the youngest I've seen is, has been 20, and, of course, the oldest has been in their mid to upper 80s. So I've seen some young people who've had COVID. We're, we're pretty stinky sick with it, but they're just fine. And some of the old... No, the older folks, except for this gentleman the other night who was pretty sick, um, they many of them just go home. They don't need any uh, hospitalization. They don't need oxygen. Obviously, if they did, they'd have to be hospitalized, even with other comorbid conditions. So I don't know. Maybe this U.K. strain, is it may be more infectious but less virulent. Maybe that's what we're that seeing. May,
1: that may be helpful. There, there's also yeah. been discussion about the... Uh, Moderna and uh, the Pfizer versus the J&J, the Johnson & Johnson one-shot uh, vaccination. Uh, and do we have any feeling as to whether or not the Johnson & Johnson is something that people can feel as comfortable about as taking, or um, do they need to make a choice think, with the other two?
2: Well, the CDC says that it's safe to take. People read the newspapers, they listen to the news, and many people, given a choice, are not going to go for a vaccine that had this bad outcome initially. They're just not willing to take that chance. Many people wanted to take it because it was one and done. But now they're they're rethinking and they're saying, well, if I'm going to get a vaccine, it's either going to be Pfizer or Moderna and then making that decision. So I haven't heard of too many people uh, opting for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine currently.
1: When you, when you have the people with the breakthrough COVID infections and they've, they've breakthrough because they've been vaccinated, uh, can you tell whether or not do they say whether they're vaccinated by the Johnson and Johnson or the oh, Pfizer or the Moderna?
2: Yeah, we always ask if they've been vaccinated and we ask, when was your first injection or one or whatever? Most of the time it's been a Pfizer that we've seen. Um, it's not exclusively Pfizer because we've had Moderna vaccine breakthroughs as well. Um, but we always ask if they've been vaccinated, if they've been fully vaccinated, we try to get a picture of are they Uh, protected from from COVID at this point when they're seeing, or is it a breakthrough despite the vaccination, or they didn't follow through and decided just one immunization was enough, they didn't have to get the second one, or did they change their lifestyle and put themselves at increased risk for picking it up despite the vaccine? I mean, the vaccine isn't completely protective, you know. People are still just like influenza. It's only 60% effective. So I see lots of it, although I've seen not one case of influenza this year. I've seen in the past plenty of influenza in immunized people. And I remind you of that. Yes, I,
1: I, I realize. I, I sort of felt the same way, though, with the uh, washing hands, distancing, and uh, masking. It's been pretty healthy this past winter.
2: Right, uh, right.
1: Not, no colds or flus. Uh, I know, not cold, not, not a bad way to live, but we can do it again next year without the COVID. That would be even better. But uh, some people are concerned by not getting vaccines that uh, they're not getting the vaccine because they still don't know about it. Uh, and they are aware of the fact that it delivers a messenger RNA change to your body. And some people are concerned that it's going to change their DNA or change their their body structure. Uh, how no, much of it, that is, is real and how much is
2: not? Uh, it is not real. It's not going to change your DNA. It doesn't get into into the DNA at all. It's an, it's an RNA uh, vaccine, not a DNA kind of vaccine. And so people hear this and they, they, they hear half the story and they think the worst, you know, and, uh, and they're saying, oh, this is going to change my DNA something bad is going to happen to me, that I'm going to get some terrible disease from this. Uh, People are, there. I'm telling you, Nick, they're very, very afraid. Some people are extremely afraid of what's happened over the last year. And so it's very difficult to convince them that, you know, let's start rethinking this and getting back to normal. And many people are willing to take the risk of getting the disease because they think they have better chances of getting it and getting over it than having to worry about long-term effects from this vaccine, which, quite honestly, we don't know because it's so new. We just don't know.
1: Well, I I think as a general rule, if you follow the science, it's good for everyone who can to get the vaccination to help cut down on on the spread. But uh, are there some medical conditions that uh, really would, would not make it prudent for someone to get a vaccination because of their medical condition? And if so, what are those medical conditions?
2: Well, for instance, well, there's some people that just have allergies to just about anything, and they really shy away from any kind of vaccines, even when it comes to, uh, you know, you've heard of people who are allergic to tetanus and, you know, just the usual childhood sorts of things. There are individuals who will get a vaccine, influenza being one of them, and they develop Guillain-Barre. And, uh, you know, it's a neurologic condition that can actually kill you, and it's progressively... Uh, paralyzing and uh, you may have to be intubated and before you can get over it. And so once you have uh, suffered that from uh, a vaccine, we remind people not to do that, not to get that particular type of vaccine again. If someone's had Guillain-Barre and they've been so deathly ill with it, they're not going to step up and say, yeah, let's try this one and see what happens. <laughs> they're just not going to do it. Right. And, uh, I can understand why they're so uh, reticent about uh, about trying something new out. So, you know, there are people that just cannot take certain things that most of us can tolerate and we don't have a problem, Um, but there are individuals who cannot take uh, some of these antiviral vaccines.
1: So check with your doctor and get get a reading on that. Right, right. How are we looking looking for the summer? Um, We're going to be outside. We're going to have more sunlight, more vitamin D. We're going to have more wind blowing around. (laughs)
2: I hope so. You know well, you know, what's going to tell us a lot um, is over the next couple of weeks when all of the um, regulations have been listed, people can go about without masks and getting back to more normal. Then we'll see what happens. And I think that'll be a good predictor about what's going to be in the future, what's, what we're going to have to deal with. My concern is that when we see a surge, and I believe we will see a surge in COVID, that everything will be shut down again, rather than letting... Life get up, go on. People are going to get it. They're going to get over it, and we're going to get over it. Uh, we're just going to keep moving into a better, more more normal lifestyle.
1: Well, at least we'll have a taste of normalcy. It seems so far from the start. And like you just say, don't we're going to watch forget for to those
2: take two weeks. just don't forget to take your vitamin D. They're still recommending ten thousand units a day with your zinc. Very important and, and vitamin C.
1: That doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't hurt. And that's pretty safe stuff. Yeah. But uh, well, well. In any event, hopefully, people are going to go out and enjoy the summer and try to get back. Uh, Besides getting their their physical health in shape, get their mental health back in shape. We've all been suffering, and yeah, uh, for nothing sure. better than.
2: I think I've never yep. seen, I've been in Michigan over 30 years. I don't think I've ever seen uh, patient population so terrified and uh, really paralyzed this fear, not knowing which way to go or which way to turn so i'm looking forward to the air and sunshine and people getting out and starting to heal their mental health because that's a big problem with this covid this past year a lot, yeah, of, a lot of people suicide, just a lot of people a
1: lot a lot of us feel that so dr ann carroll thank you so very much for joining us tonight and giving us an update and uh, well, next month, we'll talk to you again and find out what happened after two weeks after the unmasking has occurred.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see.
1: Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. I can- Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the next two segments, we're going to get away from uh, COVID for a while and get away from the nasty things we've been experiencing for the last uh, year and several months. Uh, we're going to go back to the 60s, 70s, and 80s with uh, a very famous DJ named Bruce Morrow, known affectionately by all of us as Cousin Brucie. Uh, he's been with us before and he's back with us again to talk about fun things, finally. Cousin Brucey, good to hear you. Good to have you back. Well, you?
0: you know, uh, thank you very much, Cousin Dick. Uh, very happy how you opened the show that, and then, excuse me, we're going to uh, do away with discussions of COVID and all the other nasty street things. I tell I open my show all the time, Nick, uh, on WABC is I say the first thing we do is no politics and we're not going to talk about COVID. You know, people I, I think it's time. I think we're all fed up with it, very tired of it, very aware of it. Right? We're all getting vaccinated and yes, still doing we are. Our social businesses. But it's nice to get sort of into a, a park, into a forest and see some trees and some blue sky for a change. Good, thank
1: you. Oh, well oh, it's it's good to have you because you've always represented the, the nicer things of life. I mean and, and you go back uh, with the early rock and rollers going back, what year did you start? Do I dare? Well, ask? Some,
0: people, uh, some people think I was originally with Marconi uh, when he was experimenting. Oh. <laughs> that, that was kind of a joke by uh, some of the guys on the air. I swear they, they say to me, I hear him on Marconi. Now, I started, well, let's see, probably uh, about 1958. Actually, uh, my first job, Nick, was in Bermuda. I graduated New York University where I founded the radio station and I had really good four, four, four really great academic, non-academic years there running the radio station. And I graduated and I got my first job in Bermuda on
1: radio station
0: Z or wow. ZDM. So I spent a year there and uh, I, that's why I really learned my skill.
1: Well, and that was uh, during the times when the whole genre of music was changing. We were going from 78 records and uh, Perry Como and the big bands of World War II to mm-hmm. yep. that thing they called rock and roll that like, had a beat to yeah. it, which was really yeah, well, kind yeah, of a we, strange thing.
0: We got out of the pop era, which only lasted about seven years. People don't realize. That. The, the uh, Victor Moans and the Doris Days and the Sinatra and... You know, back and, in uh, and the big bands, and we went into early rock and roll, like you say, and uh, things changed. When I uh, went to Bermuda, they used to call me the Hammer, because until I got there, it was pretty quiet, and I introduced it <laughs> early rock and roll on I mean, the, you know, Chuck Berry's and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis and the Drifters and a lot of a lot of groups like that. So suddenly, the entire air mood changed. It all changed. So I was called the hammer because, you know, I, in those days, that I would really join the beat of this brand new musical genre, rock and roll. And I wanted to sound like it. And I did. So, it's, you know, it's kind of a fast paced, very heavy cacophony.
1: Were you like one of those real fast talkers where you just uh, blasted everything out? Uh, uh, 20 words in three seconds kind of a guy?
0: No, I, I never got up to that speed, but. You know, I listen to some of my old uh, tapes and some of my old commercials, and I say to myself, is that me? Because I would say something. Yeah. <laughs> so today I'll give you an example. So, Nick, uh, okay, everybody, get got a great sound by John Paul, George, and Ringo. Here are the Beatles. All right, not here. Back in the 50s, I'd probably say, of course, they weren't there in the 50s, but I would say something like that. Hey, everybody, because we see here, we're going to play an high stack of black shellac. Here comes John Paul, George, and Ringo. No, that's that's what we
1: sort of would expect from those days. Now, when you left Bermuda, where did you go from there?
0: I came back to New York City. I left Bermuda, and kind of an interesting um, story there, which we can reserve for maybe the next time you and I get together. I left Bermuda, and I came back to WINS. I I became a uh, producer. I didn't go on the air right away. I looked for a job, and I knew I wanted to stay in Manhattan. So I became a producer on WINS, which at that time was a um, old, well, a music radio station. And I got my break there, actually. There was a, um, a union strike. And uh, during a union strike, all the after all the on-air members walked out. <laughs> so the, <laughs> they had to continue the radio station. So they took all of the administrative people and uh, all the producers, the non after people, the non-union people, and put us on the air. I was the only one really there that had air experience, Nick. So it was a natural. And, uh, what, I a it, after, what a stroke of luck. What a stroke of luck. Yeah, it really was. I was. What's that called? Being at the right place at the right time. And uh, Cousin Brucey was born out
1: of that. How How did you get the name Cousin Brucie? I think everybody listening. And by the way, I have to give a shout out to my brother and his wife down in Marion, Ohio. Who are faithful listeners to you on WABC, uh, and uh, they're, they're listening. They're you. listening tonight for you, and they're glad glad you're out here still doing this stuff.
0: <laughs> well, I am. people are very happy. You know, they well let's digress a minute. People are so happy they have this kind, of, as I say, a park, a forest, a pool to go to to get rid of uh, some of the mess we're in. And uh, you know, I'm a I'm an old buddy. I'm a, a friend that plays the music, I've, I've become like a bridge, a bridge to almost almost normalcy. Not quite yet, Nick, not quite yet. But um, uh, it's been a very wonderful career. I've been a very lucky guy. And everything seems to always take place when it's needed. And uh, it's needed right now. So Cousin Bruce, you
1: uh, oh, uh, signed
0: a deal with WABC. Yeah. You know.
1: And, and how do people here in Ohio get to hear you?
0: Okay, well, actually, the signal the signal is so strong that it reaches 40 states. It's a, it's a clear channel, a 50,000-watt channel. However, today, there's no such thing, as you know, Nick, as local radio. Everything is streamed. Everything is Internet. So if anybody wants to hear, they go to um, WABC Music Radio, com, and just say let let me hear uh, WABC, let me hear seventy seven, and they can hear that on that free app. Or there are lots of apps that stream radio all over the country. You know, there was one that might interest you. This is kind of nice. You are a student of radio. Did you ever, did you ever hear uh, of, yes, um, Radio Garden? Radio Garden. You ever hear of that? No, I haven't. Check that out. Check that out. No, what what is it? it radio it's Garden. International. Well, international. It's radiogarden.com, it's free, and you go on a map, and you sort of, uh, with your fingers, you, you sort of tour the globe, and you can stop at any city, any country you want, and zoom in, and it'll give you a choice of all radio stations that are on live, and it sounds terrific. It's called Radio Garden, so you can do it. So in other words, what I'm trying to tell you is that there are so many different ways to hear radio all over the country, all over the world today. There's no local radio anymore. Everything's international.
1: Well, and, well, there's nothing more special than listening to our old songs. Because you know, since we've had videos uh, with uh, MTV and, and that kind of thing, going back to the days of the 50s, 60s, and early 70s, uh, truly the songs that we knew, which were the original songs done by the original artists, produced in the studios and highly produced with all kinds of um, you know, musical instruments adding to the, uh, to the song. It's one of the few things we can listen to today and hear it exactly reproduced as it was when, say, we were like 15 years old. Uh, and our memories go right back to those days when we heard those songs. And uh, you're our connection back to those days. Because you, yep. you still talk to those, you still talk to those people. Who was the first celebrity when you got back to New York that you actually got to uh, talk to and uh, get to know?
0: Elvis, right away, Elvis. And by the way, uh, he was the I first answer, guy. You know, first guy. I didn't answer your question. I think you asked me how I became Cousin Brucey may i go back to that i think that's kind of yeah we're going to go. have
1: about we have about a minute to go and then we'll if right. we get through part of that we'll, we'll come we back at this. our break all
0: right i i uh, was in the studio and uh, a government security guard brought this elderly lady and and she said uh are you are you mr morrow i wasn't cousin buce at
1: that time she said i need some help and i'll leave the rest of the story to when we come back it's a cute, very sweet story Oh very good, yeah, because everybody knows you as cousin Brucey. And you have those jingles that you would play where people are shouting Cousin Brucey. Oh yeah. And, uh, and I know you are oh, You
0: perfect. know, Nicholas, they'll play the playing the same jingles. I have my echo. People want what they remember, they want it up. They want to reminisce a little bit, especially this time in our lives. We need a little something, a little piece of
1: something to hold on to. And that's what I try we to sh- get people. We on sure my do. Show. We sure do. We're talking to the famous Cousin Brucey from New York City, uh, talking about the good old days with rock and roll and, and the music that we still love today. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back after these words, so don't go away. Matt Cleveland, Nick Phillips with you for our final segment of The Advocate uh, tonight. And, and we're so pleased to have with us Cousin Brucey from New York City uh, talking about rock and roll music and just music of our lives. And uh, if you've heard him before over these past many decades, you know the name Cousin Brucey, and you'll recognize his voice. Uh, Cousin Brucey, thanks for joining us.
0: My pleasure. Cousin Nick, I always nice talking to you.
1: So anyway, as we were saying,
0: how did we're talking Bruce, about you this
1: older woman, yes. How did you get to yeah. be Cousin Brucey?
0: So she comes into the studio, this sparkly-eyed, uh, blue-haired, gray-haired lady, and she looks at me in the eye. Now, you know, in communication, if you if you want to make a connection, you look somebody right in the eye and you're locked. Well, she locked on my face and locked on my eye, and she said, uh, do you believe we're all related? And I knew, well, look, I'm a kid from New York. I'm a Brooklyn kid. I knew she wanted something like money. And I said, yes, ma'am, I do believe we're all related, which I do. And she said, well, cousin, lend me 50 cents to get home. I'm broke. Well, that was so sweet. I put my record on in those days. I queued up a record. We didn't have digital. Oh, there you go. And I reached in my pocket. I gave her 50 cents. And I said, here, ma'am. And she said, thank you, cousin. I'll never forget you. She left. That night in the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel while I was going home from Manhattan, I started hearing the word cousin, and then in the middle of that tunnel, I realized that my life was going to be as Cousin Brucey. So that little old lady. Now, the postscript, Nick, here's the postscript. P.S. She never paid me back the 50 cents.
1: She owes it to me. Oh <laughs> but my. I think I owe, well,
0: her, I owe her a few more dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think if she has the license on that, uh, she would have been very wealthy by now. Yeah, but uh, well, that's a That's a great bucks. story because... It, it it really stuck and it's still with us today and it's still our connection to the past. So you yes, know, when we hear cousin please. Brucey, but, uh, you're, you're talking about meeting Elvis, uh, how old was Elvis at the time? And, and did you realize at the time that Elvis was, or was going to be such a, a iconic rock and roll figure?
0: Well, I knew that he was going to be a huge figure. I knew he was going to change the face and, uh, really land rock and roll where it's supposed to be because it was if it wasn't for him i don't know if you and i'd be talking here today so he really landed this stuff with a a 10 plus uh i don't think anybody ever realized it was iconic or become sociological rather than just musical right uh we Mm -hmm. met by the way that was the first time we were on the air but then about a year or so later he came and visited me he visited me at the studio and he they dressed him up in a um, a blanket. They had to wrap him up because no, he, the poor man couldn't go anyplace. He couldn't go, so they brought him up in an elevator, wrapped up, and they brought him into the studio. And I'll never forget that time. He was so uh, uh, how do you say so sweet and so nice. He was almost innocent. He called me sir. He sat down and he thanked me for playing his records. He was uh, just an absolute gentleman, and uh, I always always liked him for that. And of course. His life changed as he became iconic. He became, uh, well, kind of in a dangerous situation with his life. The people surrounding him really uh, let him go wild. And uh, as, as you know, the story did not end well. rest
1: is history. No, it, it, it didn't. But, but how about you? Because you started out, you, you were in Bermuda. You came back to New York, which was sort of the epi, epicenter of music at the time. Uh, and at least rock and roll music. You had what the Brill Building—that was a big place where people were writing music. Uh, but the music started taking off, and and how was it that you started meeting all of these people who were artists singing these well,
0: young people? Thanks, thanks to what you and I are doing right now, called radio and that microphone. Uh, this was the greatest way of helping distribution. Of the early record industry at that time, you got a record on Cousin Brucey's show, which reached all over, uh, and then other other jocks would play it because I was playing it. Right? You were made. You got your music. So they would call me the record promoter. They call them record promoters. They would call me and ask if uh, so and so can come on the show. Can uh, Can this star come on the show? Can Connie Francis come on the show? And little by little. I was building up. I mean, it was becoming almost a, a music talk show because everybody wanted to come on. Then I started my Palisades Park shows, which have become very, very famous. And all these big acts uh, that were on my radio show would then be featured on the stage at Palisades Park in New Jersey. So, oh, sure. Now this is when
1: Palisades Park was, Palisades Park was still in business at the time as an amusement park, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. In the 60s, it was in the. Uh, I think it was in business until about 71. So every weekend I did a, uh, very big stage show, which many times were broadcast. And by the way, I'm still doing Palisades park shows. I'm doing There's no Palisades oh, Park. I'm doing Palisades park reunions. And I do them, uh, at the PNC center now, which is in New Jersey, homeville, New Jersey. And, uh, I have all the people that were on that stage with me. You know, the, the ones that are still with us, dear Lord. And, uh, they come back, and we have thousands of people in the audience, many of them that were there at Palisades Park. So it, the the emotion continues. The emotion is the music, Nick. The music is carrying this.
1: Oh, my goodness. How many of the people from those days are still around and able to come out? Because it's been a Quite lot of a years. Quite a
0: bit. Quite a bit. If you think this was uh, the 60s, and they were you know, very young. They were either teenagers at that time. So if you do the math, you're probably a better mathematician than I am, because first of all, you're, you're in Ohio. That's the, the birthplace yeah. of mathematics, right? So you probably know. Uh,
1: absolutely. Uh,
0: so today, so today they'll be 60s, 70s, some in their 80s, and they're there. I mean, you gotta understand something. Music be the food of love. Play on. That's Shakespeare, I, cousin Nick. Shakespeare, 1200s. Oh miles,
2: my God. Right? Music <laughs> be the
0: food of love. It gets people going. It's a me- It's medicine. It's, I You know, I'll tell you something, a great story real quick. Uh, I, I do a lot of appearances, and I, I go to senior homes every once in a while, and you see these seniors in their wheelchairs and uh, sitting down and not being able to move too much. And then as soon as I put music on, Nick, invariably they get up, and they, they dance in place a little bit. Suddenly, life is reinstalled. The music is medication. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, who would ever think, I know when I was a young kid, ever thinking that you could be anywhere near a nursing home and hear groups like the Beach Boys you know, pipe <laughs> through the uh, right. nursing home? And they I, love it.
0: And, and, and they'll sing along with it. And they get up, right? They were infirm. They get up and they dance a little bit. So it really is this music is magic. Because, like you said, oh my goodness. It, brings back, it brings back their memories and it brings back the time of youth and, you know, an
1: inspiration and spirit. It sure does. Because you get to a certain age. And the number of years old doesn't matter. It's your health and what you remember that's really more important. Exactly. Are you going to do a Are you going to do a Palisades Park uh, concert this year?
0: Yes. Matter of fact, well, it won't be. The, well, yeah, we're planning it. We matter of fact, I was on the phone with uh, Mr. Ron Gravino, who runs uh, these uh, affairs at PNC Center, and uh, we picked a date. And until it's really in writing, I don't even like talking about. It, but all right, today, literally, today, Nick, I'm going to be booking the acts of Palisades Park, and uh, I hope it'll be broadcast, too. It's going to be really a lot of fun. It's become a very, very important part of music.
1: Oh, my gosh. Can you share with us any names of people who might be available?
0: Well, yeah, you don't I mean, have them nailed right. down yet. Uh, Tony Orlando, Bobby Rydell, the Drifters, uh, the Tokens. Uh, we can go on, Connie Francis. Well, Connie is not performing anymore, but she comes and she does things. But I'll, I'll have people like that, people that were part of me, uh, Felix, uh, Felix Cavallari, the Rascals, Paul Anka. I mean, we can go almost, I'd say 90% of what you remember, they were at Palisades Park
1: with me. Wow. Well, you know, the the fact that time flies by. And if we wanted to know how quickly time flew by. Look at the year 2020, how quickly that went. I mean, it was, I, I didn't want to talk about COVID. We said we wouldn't. However, 2020 for most people was a real bust that, that year flew by as we're looking back now. And I, I think we should all cherish the time we, we have ahead of us yet. And, uh, yeah, and we do. It,
0: That's what we should think about, Nick. We should think ahead. Let's think about the next year or the year after and let's heal a little bit. Let's get back to some kind of normalcy. I I don't believe we're ever going to be back for a long time uh, to where we were, you know, almost carefree with our daily problems. But I don't think we're going to see that again for a long time. But, you know, we'll be a little hesitant. I agree. We'll be a little suspicious, but we'll be okay. We're going to we're going to get out of this. You get your shot.
1: Oh, we're all vaccinated. So I feel much more more relaxed. But, yeah, but I would love, love to too. thank Cousin Brucey for being here. Cousin Brucey, thank you so much. And thanks for keeping positivity alive and, uh, future things for us to do, like coming out to the Palisades Park concert. Thank you so very yeah. much for joining us tonight.
0: A pleasure. A pleasure. Always nice talking to you,
1: Cousin. Man. Thank you, Cousin Brucey. And thank you for listening tonight. We're going to be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great, safe, and healthy week. Good night.
2: And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset. Sat and drank my fresh mint
1: tea with nothing to do.